0: Well, Heidi Ho. I get a little tired of saying good evening and good morning all the time, so I'm trying a new one here. Heidi Ho. Hey, 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 there we go. <laughs> this, okay. The man in the hat be removed, please. Uh, tonight we're going to be in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, and finish up chapter 13. Um, I hope to go further than that, but I, I'm not making any promises. Really, my notes are focused around the verses 8 through uh, 13. So um, if we do go beyond that, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, we thank you for your word and the opportunity we've had to worship you in song so far. Now we want to worship you with our attention and our hearts and uh, have our ears wide open uh, to everything you have for us tonight through your word, that you would speak to us as has been prayed, um, that your Holy Spirit would quicken things to our hearts. Uh, There'd be confirmation, there'd be encouragement, maybe some conviction. um, But whatever you want to do, we're open to let you have full reign in our lives tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been a couple weeks. Uh, Great kids camp. Um, uh, We had a uh, thoroughly blessed by serving them, and I think they were thoroughly blessed by being there. I really didn't hear... A, a, a bad comment from any of them. I'm sure there there were moments that weren't great. There's always that way with a bunch of people over three days. But for the most part, I think it was a blessing, and uh, it was very encouraging. Um, so thank you for your prayers in the in that area. Um, so now we're back into First Corinthians chapter 13, and we pick it up with and just to remind ourselves of what we went over the last time we were here was Paul was, he kind of broke up that first part of chapter 13 into two sections. The first was, what it's like for me to operate in the gifts of the Spirit without love. And the second was, um, this is what love looks like. Sometimes we read things in the scriptures, and, we, and I think we all do this. It's a, we're just very black and white because we want to know. I mean, we come here because we want just tell me what to do, you know, kind of thing. That's all I want to know. Tell me what to do. Tell me what not to do. Um, And so when we come to this, it's like, okay, okay, I don't understand the gifts very well. Chapter 12 was a little difficult for me. This love chapter, I get it. It's love. It's all about love. No, it's not. It's both. See, that's the thing. Um, I don't know how I look up here. Um, You'll have to judge for yourself. But there was a time when I hated leg day when I go to the gym. If there's anybody that goes to the gym, leg day is a horrible day. You walk out of there, and you're like spaghetti, and you're like jello. It's a horrible day, and you skip it if you can. But you, if you do, you turn into, do you, do you remember what it, that, that singer looked like in Star Wars, that, you know, the big round body with the two little pencil legs? And you go, you know, if you don't, you should watch Star Wars, and you can, it's in there. But you look disproportionate. You're off balance. You're out of balance, and so our tendency is we do what our strengths are. You know, if you've got a big upper body for guys, we love doing push-ups. We love doing pull-ups, running. Uh, you know, squatting. Uh, forget that. And if you're a big leg person, you know, uh, that's what you do. You know, and you focus on that, and you, and and you and you build the things that you're already good at, and and that's a struggle for us to go to the weak spots and to hit those things. You know, so when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And when it comes to walking in love or the fruit of the Spirit, we have to have both if we're going to be proportionate. If we're going to have balance, we've got to have both. You cannot exclude one or the other. You have to have both. And so Paul tried to make that point. In the first three verses, he says, this is what it sounds like when I do the gifts of the Spirit, Corinthian church, who's doing that now, without love. It's inappropriate. It's worthless. The the gift of tongues is beautiful and melodious unless you can't make a distinction in the sounds you know it's the difference between going to the philharmonic versus the eighth grade recital you know it's a little different i think they're playing flight of the bumblebee but i'm not quite sure you know and boy is it almost over you know whereas the philharmonic you get lost in it you just get lost in the music oh my goodness it carries you away almost that's the difference between moving in the gifts of the spirit with the love of the Holy Spirit in your life. I can teach the Word of God, but without love, I'm simply giving out data. And you know those teachers. You've been maybe in those classrooms where the teacher was not interested in you, but interested in the curriculum or into the lesson plan. I'm just getting it out because it's Monday, and this is what we do on Monday. Regardless of whether the kids get it or understand it, I don't care. I did it, you know. Some of them picked up on it. Some of them needed a little extra help. I was that kid. I took Algebra 1 twice. I took Algebra 2 twice. But when I finally got a tutor who could spend the time with me and maybe explain it a little bit differently or over and over and over and over and over again without smacking me on the back of the head, someone with patience, but someone who had a heart for me to get it, you know, um, I got it. I got it. That's the difference. Tongues, prophecies, faith, um, bestowing my gifts for the poor, all these things matched with love is an unbelievable force on this earth. I mean, that is how we fight evil. That is what we do to fight darkness in this world. But it's got to be both. We can't try to just love people without gifts. It's like building a house without tools. It doesn't make any sense. My intentions are I'm really going to have this great house, but nothing can get done because I don't have any tools with me. I've got to have the tools. The gifts of the Spirit are meant to edify the body of Christ, which means to build up. I can't build anybody up without the gifts. I need those things. So don't make the mistake as we go through this to think, well, I'm just going to work on the love thing and leave that gifts thing to those Pentecostal, those weirdies out there. You know? No, you have to have both. So whatever your weak spot is, pay attention to that and work on it and let God do a thing in your heart in that area. If you have a hard time with love, then open yourself up and let God do that work. If you have a hard time with the gifts of the Spirit, then open yourself up and let God do that in your heart. You have to have that happen. So what Paul does here in that first section, and I, I try not to reteach last time we were here, but I, it's hard for me not to because um, I really want to get this down. Paul says, though I speak. And so the idea that he puts himself in that position is, is to not put too much pressure on the reader. But as a reader, you have to put your name there. I think that's important because Paul does. Paul says, if, if I do these things, and the idea is, if you speak with tongues and of angels but don't have love, so I need to put my name there. It, though JD speak with tongues, the tongues of men and angels, but doesn't have love, he is a sounding brass or a clinging cymbal. And I want to go through all those things because those are things that God wants to show me. Are you doing these wonderful things, but in your mind, but you don't have love, this is what it sounds like, and this is the lack of blessing that it is to everybody around me. You're just banging on your bongos or clanging your cymbals together. What, what good is it? It's not serving, but look at me. I can really clang my cymbals. Well, yeah, but you look like a toddler throwing a tantrum. When you do that, you need to have love. There needs to be a distinction. There needs to be a blessing to those around you. That's what the gifts are for. The second thing you want to do with that section of Scripture, those first three verses of of 1 Corinthians 13, is you want to put God's name there, because that is the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. When when God comes in, it changes everything. When God comes into my life, when Jesus comes into my life, and he begins to speak through me by the Holy Spirit, that changes everything. That's the difference. And so we want to put his name there also. That second section, verses 4 through 7 that we went over, Love, J.D., suffers long. God suffers long. We want to put his name there also. God is kind. He doesn't envy. He doesn't parade himself. He's not puffed up. He's not rude. He doesn't seek his own. He's not provoked. He doesn't think evil. He doesn't rejoice in sin. He rejoices in truth. God bears all things. God believes all things. God hopes all things. God endures all things. God never fails. And the idea is, and I put my name there as well. And you put your name there as well. And all that's to do is to do what he told us to do in chapter 11. We forgot that. Examine yourself. You need to examine yourself. It's one thing to just read through stuff and hope something stuck. You know, I hope I got something. I don't know if I got anything out of that teaching. That's up to you whether you get anything out of that teaching or not. It's up to you whether you get anything out of your quiet time. If you didn't get anything out of it, go through it again. You keep doing that until you get something out of it. You don't just say, well, that was a waste of time. I didn't get anything out of it. Or, or I got two v- words out of that one. Well, no, you, you invest in that. You take the time to do that. So I need to know if I don't suffer long. I need to be honest with myself. Do I suffer long or do I, am I pretty short with the suffering thing in my life? Because if I am short, then I need to pray that way and ask God to give me opportunities to suffer for a long time. That's how that works. We talk about leg day. You're doing squats, you got to put some weight on the bar. That's no fun. The bar, 45 pounds, standard straight bar, 45 pounds. You can do your squats. A lot of you, that's where you start. You know, you'll be sore. If you haven't done it forever, ever, you'll be sore with, the, with just the bar. Who cares who's laughing at you? The bar alone will do it. But as you get stronger and as you get older and more mature, and I'm speaking spiritually, you got to put some weight on the bar. And God will put some weight on the bar. Never gives us more than we can bear. And he's always there to spot us. He's always there to help us. But he will put some weight on there. And so although I can't suffer for a long time, he's going to see if I can suffer for a short time. And then maybe for a medium time. And then maybe for a long time. He'll work our way into that. But make no mistake about it. He wants us to be buff spiritually. He wants us to be built up. He wants us to be able to run the race of endurance. He wants us to be able to do the things that nobody else can do. Because the world needs it. Kindness, envy, all these things. Is J.D. puffed up? Does J.D. seek his own? Does J.D. behave rudely? Is J.D. provoked? Does J.D. think evil? Or doesn't he think of evil? Do do I rejoice in sin? Or do I rejoice in truth? Do I bear all things? Does J.D. believe all things? Does J.D. hope all things? And, and, And so on. We have to put ourselves there. And we've got to find our weak spots. And that's where we work. That's where we put our focus. Not to the exclusion of the others, though. We want it all. We want to be well-rounded. You know, you can work on your larger muscles, but you need to have all those support muscles working too. Those are the important ones. Those are the toughest ones, you know. Just doing push-ups alone gets all those little ones. Being off balance. I don't know why I'm on the weightlifting thing. Maybe God's trying to tell me to do something, right, you know. Pick up some weight, you lazy 52-year-old whatever. It's hard. Eating is so much easier. Um, but that's why you do free weights for the most part. It's okay to use, I don't even know if they call them Nautilus anymore, but machines. That's fine. But they do the balancing for you for the most part. It's important to do those free weights that you use all those little... Flexors and all those little muscles. Likewise, when you're walking spiritually with the Lord, it's important that you experience it. That you don't just read about it. That you go through these things so that you can feel feel the full weight of it. And you have to learn how to keep your balance throughout throughout it. I'm not going to lose my cool. You know, I'm not going to lose my temper. I'm going to I'm going to persevere. I'm not going to throw my weights. You know. So, verse eight. This is where we pick up. Love never fails. Um, so important to know that the the rest of these things will fail is what he's getting at in this next section. All these gifts of the spirit will go eventually. We don't need those in eternity, but love—that is the one thing you take into eternity. That's the one thing that continues on forever. It's love. So it isn't that we exclude the gifts. The gifts are for today while we're walking this walk with the Lord, but eventually we're going to see him face to face, which is where he's taking us here. And eventually we don't need those gifts. Who needs to prophesy when you're standing in the presence of Christ? Who needs to ask for wisdom when you have all wisdom because you're in the presence of Christ and so on? Love never fails, Paul says. Corinthian church, you're excellent in the gifts, but you're using them inappropriately. You're using them as a pecking order to find out who's better, to put other people down. You're not doing it to to better other people, to be a blessing to other people. You're not considering those around you. Love is the key ingredient. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Not that, and some people read that wrong. So prophecies can be wrong. No, godly prophecies, prophecies from the Holy Spirit are 100% accurate all the time. He never makes a mistake. Failure means they don't happen anymore. Okay? We don't need prophecy. That's what he means by the word fail. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues speaking in other unknown languages, that'll cease. That's going to stop one day. They're going to cease. Why? Well, we believe that's the one gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus never operated in because he doesn't, it wasn't a language that he didn't know. How can you speak in an unknown language when you're Christ? You know, kind of hard. They're going to stop eventually because we'll have all knowledge. Whether there is knowledge... It will vanish away. That gift of knowledge, that gift of discernment, that gift of whatever it is. He only mentions a few here in this section, but he's lumping a bunch of them together. That gift of discernment, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, those things aren't taking place in eternity because we have all knowledge. We're going to be known and we're going to know as we're known. Just like God knows how many hairs on our head, we'll know how many hairs are in his head. Just how he knows our minds and our hearts, we're going to know him. That's what he says. It's exciting. We don't need those gifts. We don't need to have him whisper in our ear or tell him portions of it. He's going to say something here in a minute about being a child. I don't mean to jump ahead, but that's where we're at right now. We call ourselves children of God on purpose. So that keeps our place in this relationship. He's the father. We're the children. Now, Jesus calls us friends, and he's our brother, and he considers us a sibling, and he calls his father father, but it's kind of it's tough when you think about that because we are brothers and sisters with Jesus. I understand that because he is, you know, the only begotten Son, and we're adopted into the family, and so he's brought us in alongside of him. But it's really the father that we need to focus on in these texts because that's the relationship. And like a father, um, for example, let's say we're taking our kids to Disney World. Kids don't need to know everything about the process, the flight times, whatever. They just they need to get their sleepy you know, bodies into the car because we're going to the airport. But they don't need to know the process. They don't need to know how much their bag weighs or whether this carry-on size or what the dimensions are. They don't need to know all that stuff. They just, come on, get in the car. You know? oh, bring your pillow. You can sleep on the way down there. And they just sleep. They get out of the car. Now give, your car give your bag to this guy. Oh, who's this guy? We don't know. It's the guy who's got to weigh your bag and take Now fo- follow me, follow me. Now stand here. They're gonna now you're gonna hold your hands like this and stand up. Unfortunately, this is where we're at. Do this. Okay. They're half asleep. Does the body scan and you can get on the plane now? And so on. They don't need to know the whole itinerary. That's where we're at. As believers in Jesus Christ, that's where we are with the Lord. It gives us a, it's a need to know basis. You don't need to know all that stuff. I know everything, he says. I've got the plan figured out. I've got the itinerary. I know how it's all going to work. It's my responsibility to get you there. And I'm going to get you there. I'm your parent. I'm the father. I'm not putting that on you. You just need to follow me. You just need to stay at my heels. Don't lag. Come on, keep up, you know, kind of thing. Here's a sucker. Follow me. Hurry up, you know, kind of thing. That's where we are. God wants us to be in that place. And... For some people, that's insulting. For other people, that's a relief. You know, I don't have to worry about it. No, you're not getting yourself there. How does the plane work? Is it flying fast enough? Does the pilot know what he's doing? What's his education level? He doesn't know any of that stuff. We just run up and down the aisles, you know, and irritate all the other passengers, and we're very good at that here as as children of God. So right now, he gives us stuff on a need-to-know basis. He's going to let us prophesy, He's going to give us words of wisdom, words of knowledge at the appropriate time to help us for one thing, to get us where we're going. It's important. He's not asking us and not giving us all the responsibilities of all the ministries all over the world. He's giving us specific instructions for the ministry he's called us to, and that's important. But eventually those things all pass away, all those things depart. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, verse 9, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. And there's some controversy here. It doesn't need to be. What is that? What's the perfect thing? There are some, they're called cessationalists. They believe that once the Bible was created, that we no longer need the miracle gifts, and those are no longer in force today. We have that which is perfect, the Bible. They think of the canonization of Scripture is that which is perfect. But if you read verse 11, it's very clear what he's talking about. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. It's a person. It's a person. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. He's talking about the person of Jesus Christ. Anybody that reads that can kind of understand that. When that which is perfect has come. When Jesus comes, we no longer need these things because we're with him. We're in his presence. Those things all vanish away, not when the Bible comes. The Bible is still the sword of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's still working. We're still getting bits and pieces. We still look in the mirror dimly. We're not fully known, nor have we seen God face to face. None of that's taken place. Verse 11 has to be read with verse 10 to understand it. That which is perfect has come is Jesus. Now, you're either going to see Jesus one of three ways. If you're a believer tonight and you died, you would see Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. So we are always confident, Paul says, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So when you die, you're immediately with the Lord, okay? That's the first wave that we'll see Christ, that we'll be with him. The second wave is the rapture. If you're still alive, And the second, and the great tribulation is about to start, the rapture takes place. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52. While you're alive, you don't die. You never perish. Everybody's voting for that one, you know, but you never know. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. That's the rapture. And once you're there, you're in perfection. You no longer need the gifts of the spirit for yourself. It's no longer necessary. You're in his presence. Finally, the second coming of Jesus Christ. If you're an unbeliever tonight, you're going to kind of wait and see attitude as to whether well, You're going to go through the great tribulation period, and you'll eventually see that Jesus is Lord. Um, you'll Hopefully, I hope, I mean, I don't know, it's, it's up, it'll be up to you. I, I would avoid it if you can, um, but that's up to you whether you choose Jesus now or you wait till the, the, the great tribulation. But either way, Revelation 19 takes place, and that'll be your opportunity. Now, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses." Now and that's us, by the way. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp, two-edged sword, a sharp sword uh, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's the second coming of Jesus Christ. It does not happen till after the great tribulation period, and it happens in chapter nineteen, a book in the book of Revelation. So that's your third way. Either way, that which is perfect is calm is one of those three things. When you are in the presence of Jesus Christ, when you're glorified with him, that's it. But until that takes place, we need the fruit of the spirit and we need the gifts of the spirit. And and they they cannot cease until. Otherwise, we're trying to build a house with, with half the things we need. We can't edify one another. We can't figure out why people aren't being built up or why the church is not as strong as it used to be. Because some of us don't believe that these gifts are for today or we can't operate them in love. We've got to have them. We have to have them. It's so important. Now, verse 13. And now, abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Why is that the greatest? Because that's the only one that goes on to eternity. You don't need faith in eternity. You're there. You're not waiting for something else to happen. It's all happened. Um, you don't need hope. You're not hoping for things to take place. It has taken place. But love, that continues, and that's forever. A um, couple scriptures, and this is convicting, and this is the convicting part here. Um, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 23, um, Paul's not very happy with the Galatians when he writes this, Okay. But he's, he's trying to explain to them what the fruit of the Spirit is. He starts off with foolish Galatians who's bewitched you. Why are you not walking the way you used to walk? What's happened to you? Why are you walking in, in the law now and, 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 and in circumcision and all these rules and regulations, but you're not walking like you used to walk with the Lord? What's happened to you? Well, something's changed. And so he brings this up to them in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Now he has to tell this to them because this is what they're doing still. And we need to hear this, because these things shouldn't be taking place in a believer's life. This is what the flesh looks like. And it's not meant to bring uh, condemnation, but it, it should bring conviction when we read these things. If, if these are present in my life, then that means I'm still walking in the flesh in these areas, and this needs to go. And it should cause us to pause, pray, and, and, and work on it, honestly. Sometimes it is work. God doesn't just miraculously just take things away all the time. Sometimes I have to shut the TV off myself. Sometimes I have to put restrictions on myself. Sometimes I have to do that for my kids. And I can't just expect my kids. Well, I'm just praying for you that you don't do that stuff anymore, you know. But have at it. But that makes no sense at all, you know. Here's the things we need to watch for in our life. The works of the flesh are evident. They're obvious. They're out front. Adultery. That's the flesh. Fornication, that's any kind of sex outside of marriage. It's not allowed. It's inappropriate. It's of the flesh. It's of the devil. It's not of God. Uncleanness, that's pretty wide open. (laughs) There's a lot going on there. So if if you think you're going to get by through this list, we just got hit with that word. It applies, okay? Any kind of uncleanness in your life. Lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. That's any kind of pharmakia. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. Here's the thing. With heresies, it seems like one you kind of skip over because I don't think I'm a heretic. Well, you won't know you're a heretic until you know the Word of God. And so we're called to know the Bible, We're not called to hear someone teach the Bible, although that's part of our walk, but we're called, each of us individually, to know the Word. You cannot put that off on somebody else. Your kids need to know the Word of God, and they will get that from you. Okay, It's your responsibility to teach them, but it's also their responsibility to learn it, to know it. You are too. You need to know it. And then you'll know if you're a heretic or not. That's the only way you'll know if you're a heretic, is if you read and know the Word of God, and you abide by it, and it affects you. Um, envy, not appropriate, that's the flesh, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. So there's another one that kind of, uh, a broad brush, you know. And, and anything associated with that or anything that looks like that, you know, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not going to try to make it easier on you because I... The fear of the Lord is a good thing. I'm not, I'm not afraid of that at all. I, I mean, I, I want the fear of God in all of us, but I don't want you to have the fear of losing your salvation or that salvation is lost. What he's saying is the practicing of these things. I understand the Bible says I'm not supposed to, let me pick on something easy and maybe not as hard hitting, but they, it applies to all of them. I know I'm not supposed to murder, but I just really love murdering people. And so I practice murder. You know, If you're practicing murder, You're probably not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Something's wrong in your heart. Now, apply that to all the other words. If I'm practicing these things, if I'm working at them, if I've dismissed God's word in that area and I don't have a problem with it and I'm not convicted by it or anything like that, there should be a check in your heart. Wait a minute. Why doesn't this bother me? Why doesn't this affect me? Because it should. Why does the works of the flesh in my life not affect me? Stumbling into these things occasionally by mistake or at a weak point in your life, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking practice, like practicing basketball. Don't be practicing things. Don't be trying to get better at these things. Be careful of these things. These are things of the flesh. But here's what the Galatians needed to know, verse 22 That's the works of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit in your life is love. That's what should be coming out of me. A Spirit-filled walk with the Lord, love comes out of my life. And the attributes of that are joy from love, peace from love, long-suffering from love, kindness from love, goodness from love, faithfulness from love, gentleness from love, self-control from love against such there is no law. These are the things we need to have in our lives. These are the things that should be showing up, and these are just litmus tests for us. These are the things that we place against us: say, do I line up? Do I measure up to these things? Which one do I look more like? You know, do I look like the first list more than the second list? I got some work to do. You know, what do I do then? So, what if I fulfilled half of the first list and maybe two of the second list? Adjustments need to be made in your life, definitely. To look at this. We liken the word of God as a mirror. We look ourselves in the mirror and we're like, oh, so that's what we're supposed to look like. And here's what I really look like. You know, I need to do something with that. But if we hear this tonight and we walk away from it and we shove it aside or we justify it and say, yeah, yeah, I know it said that, but for me, uh, we're in danger. If the Holy Spirit can't speak to us through his word tonight and we can dismiss it, we're in danger. Um, I think God's word is a strong cup of coffee. Um, I don't think it has any creamer. It doesn't have any sugar in it. I think it's meant for us to take it full strength. It's meant. It's meant that way. Um, when you read through the Book of Acts, and some of you may not have ever done that before, but if you have, it's the, it's like the, it's the acts of the Holy Spirit working through the church. It's the beginning of the church. It's what the church is supposed to look like. All of the New Testament. All these things we're hearing about and reading about, all the things Paul does, and these these men of faith, these women of faith in the the New Testament, that's normal Christianity. Somehow or another, we we get to that place where, uh, where we are is normal, and anybody that's above us or further along in the Lord, well, that's exceptional stuff. I mean, that's for them. I want you to read the New Testament that way when you read it. This is normal, everyday, expected Christianity. And when I don't line up, I can't make myself normal to make myself feel better. If I'm down here, I need to know that I'm down here. When I first got saved, I had no idea how unsaved I was until I got saved. You know, when I first got saved, I thought, oh, man. And then I started reading and I'm like, "Whoa, is me. You know, I am not even close to where I'm supposed to be. I had no idea this was a sin, that was a sin. I was brought to the Lord because of some sins in my life. And that was enough to bring me to the cross of Jesus Christ to get forgiven for some sins. And then all of a sudden I realize as I'm reading, oh my goodness, I don't have enough fingers and toes for all these. How far and how much. And so my humility grew and my pride shrunk and my relationship with Jesus Christ grew. My reliance and my trust in him grew as I realized how much. That's how important it is to read these first 19 through 21, that list of the flesh. My goodness. I may as well just say JD there instead of all these, you know, attributes of the flesh. I need to know that. We need to know that so that we change. We're to be conformed into Christ's image. And that is 22 and 23. 23. Christ was full of love. He's full of joy. He was the gladdest man that ever lived. He was peaceful. He was long-suffering. My goodness. I mean, there's like one scripture where he's like, how much longer must I be with this faithless generation? That was like the one glimpse of him saying, "How much?" I mean, come on, you know, kind of thing. That's all we got. And he, and he, and he continued on with them, and he continued to school and train and help and step in when needed. He was always kind. Always able to see the person, you know, he saw the sin and he told them to sin no more, but he also saw the person and he told them not to sin anymore because he saw the person and loved them, you know, goodness, always good, always godlike. faithfulness. He was always faithful to do and say what he needed to. He was always gentle, always had control, never ran anywhere, always walked, you know, never see. And then Jesus panicked and sprinted, never, he just walked. Those are the attributes we want to see. That's love in our lives. That's the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Once that fruit of the Spirit is there, the gifts then, which are going to be given, can be operated in that, expressed this way in gentleness. I can speak in tongues with gentleness. It doesn't have to be harsh and brutal, you know. I can have a word of knowledge without beating somebody down with it, you know. I just want you to know I know. No, it's I know now. What do I do with that knowledge? Sometimes that knowledge is just for you. It's not to be shared at all. It's just to give you an understanding. I've been experiencing something lately. It's been one of the. It's it's like one that it's happened like three or four times this month. I get this sense of this is, here's a silly example. Um, our accountant. I know that we have checks at our accountant that he, they want to give us, and they've already told me once to pick these checks up. Not written checks, but blank checks, so we can use them. Um, and they've already told me once to pick them up, and, I've, and yeah, 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 I'll i get there, you know, one of those days I'll swing by the accountant and pick them up. And I get this sense, I'm like, you need to get those checks. You need. It's on my mind now, really strong. And I dismissed it. And no more than an hour later, the accountant calls me. He says, are you going to pick those checks up? They're sitting here, just so you know, they're still here. Now, it seems silly. It's a small thing. But that happens all the time with me now. I'll get this sense. So-and-so... Needs to hear from me, you know. I need to call them. I need to. I need to ask them this question, or I need to get this question answered for them, or whatever. And I'll, I'll put it off, and all of a sudden, here comes a text or a message. Hey, did 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 you get that message from me? Yeah, yeah. That's the Holy Spirit. If I'd listen and act on those things, it seems like a small thing, but it's very useful because I know God's showing me they're concerned about this. You need to relieve them of that of that burden ah, you know, yeah, and then just call him right then and there when he puts it on my heart, and all of a sudden, it works. I was wondering when you are going to call me. Yeah, well, here, you it works. Small things like that. Operating in love and gentleness, understanding that it's meant to help other people. He's not, he's not doing that so I can boast about it tonight. If anything, I've told you I failed, right? You know, I'm not, I hear from the Lord all the time, and I don't respond to it. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's amazing, you know. No, the idea is it's meant to edify other people, and so if I pay attention to that, they can be relieved of a burden. All the gifts that you have, that God has given you, is meant to relieve a burden from somebody, to help somebody, to build them up, to edify them, if we just, if we just respond that way. Someone will come to your mind, you know? I haven't thought about them in years. Pray for them or call them, you know? You have no idea. So... Those are the gifts of the Spirit. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6 is another scripture here about this thing. Okay, about what we're talking about. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, this is Paul speaking, and to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Now, why do I bring that up? Because we're to endeavor to keep that unity, and it's it's only in the Holy Spirit that we can have unity. We say it all the time. But I think, and for me, almost the key word there isn't unity of the Spirit, but endeavoring. we will do to do our best. Endeavor means I'm going to forever try to keep the unity of the Spirit. But if you're walking in the Spirit and they're walking in the, walking in the flesh, you, you won't have unity, but it isn't your fault. They're not walking in the Spirit. There's nothing you can do about it. You just endeavor. You do your best. But it's in the Holy Spirit that we have unity as a body. It's, a, it's in the Spirit of unity in a family unity in a church it's in the holy spirit so if i'm bringing this together if you decide not to walk in the spirit and you're just going to be a good hard working christian there's no unity there's no unity because you're not walking in the spirit it's only by the spirit that we have that connection with one another because we go through him think of a central nervous system if you want he's the brain the trunk goes down you're over here you're a finger you got to hear from the nerves you gotta hear from the head what it wants you to do. Come over and grab the phone, you know? There it worked. Now hold it up to the guy's face so he can see it. Okay. You see what I mean? The body of Christ has to work that way. That's how it functions is the Holy Spirit tells you what to do. You go do it. You're not sure exactly why, because you're not you don't have the eyes, but you are the hand, and it brings it over, and you can see, and it all works. The body functions like it's supposed to. It's coordinated. Very important. And so endeavor to keep that unity. So as a body, different members, all of us different, you know, we're only as coordinated, coordinated as each person is led by the Spirit. I mean, 50% would be great, but you can imagine if 50% of your coordination was gone, what that would look like. Yeah, you're still moving down the street, but with a limp and a wobble and an occasional fall and a stumble, and it doesn't, you definitely can't run, you know? So it's up to each one of us in this room to endeavor to keep that spirit of unity, to follow the Holy Spirit, to be led of the Spirit. Don't be the one that's not. And then finally, Revelation chapter 2. Jesus writes letters to seven churches in the book of Revelation. And as Paul has just concluded with the greatest of these is love, very important that the church of Ephesus, which we just read about, the Ephesian church, the one thing that he has a problem with with them is that they've left their first love. They've walked away from it. To the angel or the messenger of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have preserved or, or, or persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. That's a pretty good church, I would say. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. See, all those things are wonderful, but without love, which is the fruit of the Spirit... It's not not effective. It's not what God wants. In fact, they're in the list of the bad churches. Of the seven churches, only two are accepted by Christ as is. The rest of them have work to do. They've left their first love. Now, as a church, as a body in Calvary Chapel, Maryville, have we left our first love in any way, shape, or form? If we have, we need to get back to that place. And that can only happen if each one of us examines our own hearts and say, have I left my first love? Am I led by the Holy Spirit? Or have I moved on to, I know what we're doing. I know where we're going. I know what needs to happen. I've got a, I've got a mandate from Scripture. I'm just going to go do it. Come hell or high water. My, sons would, my son, would, you said hell, Dad. Come hell or high water, we're going to get her done kind of thing. That's not the Holy Spirit. You're doing all the things the church of Ephesus did, but they had left their first love. What if the Holy Spirit says, wait? What if the Holy Spirit says, stop? What if the Holy Spirit says, that wasn't me? You've Got to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. You can't be too prideful to not listen and say, hey, absolutely. They had left their first love. They were doing all the things that a good church should do. We want to have all those things. We want to exclude any of verse two. We want that. And verse 3, we can't do it without verse 4. We don't want to leave our first love. And so he says one thing to them. Here's what you do. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have. So he moves on. You've got some other great attributes. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, and I hate that too, He says. What's the deeds of the Nicolaitans? That's the the leadership over the laity, you know. God gives us shepherds. He says he's going to give us good shepherds. Absolutely. We're going to be overseers of the flock of God. Make no mistake about it. As a pastor, that's what I'm called to do. But I'm not called to pastor you, you know, in the sense of, Sam, what kind of car are you going to buy? I I wouldn't, no, that's a bad choice, man. It's not the kind of car you should get. You should get a red one and it should be, a battery-operated car, and so I'll take you there. and No, way, way too much involved. I learned that from Pastor Chuck, keep a light touch on the people, but there is shepherding, there is encouraging along the way, and it's, it's meant for your edification, but do whatever you're going to do. No control over what you're going to do at all. That's the laity. That's the Laodiceans or the Nicolaitans. They loved that. They loved the authority and the power and the control over the people. See, a shepherd, someone who is Nico, in that position of being an authority, should be doing whatever's best for that person, not using them. You see? It's a very dangerous place to be. The deeds of the Nicolaitans can sneak in. So I love everything you're doing, except that you've left your first love. And he says, and that is the primary thing. That's the most important thing, is to have that. To be filled with the Spirit, to be walking in love, um, then the supernatural can take place and can be used appropriately. Those are what the gifts of the Spirit are. And uh, that's that's vital. So that's what chapter 13 is about. I I, I did okay. I, did, I was, I was going to go on, but I think we better stop here. This is a good <laughs> stopping point. Chapter 13 is the love chapter, but not how we'd read it before, probably. in In light of... Chapter 12, in light of the gifts of the Spirit, chapter 13 has a whole new take now, doesn't it? I want chapter 12, God says, Paul says to the Corinthian church, please don't stop using the gifts of the Spirit, but make sure that you're doing it in chapter 13, like chapter 13 says, in love. And the only way you can do chapter 13 is if you're, you know, Galatians 5.22, filled with the Spirit. You've got to be filled with the Spirit to do chapter 13, to do chapter 12. So important. So where do you start? Where does that leave us tonight? For a lot of us, we need to go to that place of, well, repenting. Back to our first love. Being filled with the Spirit. And then go from there. Let God build from there. First, I need to be filled with the Spirit. Then I might venture off into my gifts of the Spirit again. Now that I've been filled with the Spirit. Now that I'm working from love. And I've, I've got patience and kindness and joy and long-suffering and, and all these things. Now I can do those gifts. Now I can teach. Now I can share. Now I can prophesy. Now I can help. All these things can come to play because now I'm doing it for them and not for myself. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this chapter. Paul has such a heart for these people and they didn't have a heart for him. But he had such a heart for this Corinthian church that he wanted them to operate optimally, just perfectly tuned into you using all the gifts that they were so excited about, but used um, at your discretion by your power and you getting glorified in it, not themselves. And that's how that church gets built stronger. Lord, we hear that tonight for ourselves. We hear that no matter what gifts we think we have, Lord, we need to move by the power of your Holy spirit under the unction of your spirit saying, when saying, go saying, stay saying, stop that, that aside, we need to operate in love with joy and patience and kindness and long-suffering and all these things. And when we hear those lists, help us not to practice the works of darkness, Lord, the things that you saved us from. We don't want to be practicing any sins in our lives. We know we're forgiven. We know that the blood of Jesus washes over all all of our sins, that we have the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. That being the case, we don't want to add to the sins in our lives. Lord, help us to... Stop these things, this work of the flesh. Lord, the best way to do that, your word says, is to just walk in the spirit. Then I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Help us to walk in the spirit, to endeavor, to keep the unity of the Holy Spirit with each other and with you, Lord. I just pray that you keep these things in our hearts, that nothing would take these away, this away from us, that the, your word that was planted, the seed that was planted tonight, nothing would choke it out, nothing would burn it up, nothing would steal it away, that would bear fruit in our lives, that have deep roots, Lord, and change us, Lord. We want that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer before you go, please come up. Uh, Jenny will be over here on the right by the drums, and if you want to talk with her, um, and some of the other guys will be over here for prayer as well. So come on up if you need it.